week's Lazzie, Honey and JT speak with intuitive eating coach Whitney Hall Benson about her work, developing a new business, and what it's like to work with clients on food. Lazzie! How are things? How's the, how's the nutrition biz going? It is, um, it's going well. It's a wild time to be building a business, but it's like never, you know, it's probably never like a perfect time to start it. And I was right before the pandemic, I was, uh, graciously fired, um, as I was managing, uh, chiropractic clinic and the woman I worked for was horrific and we just knew that it wasn't a good fit at this point. And she's like, well, I'll, you know, I'll fire you and you can get unemployment. I was like, cool. that's so sweet of you. That's lovely. <laughs> so it's like a really nice thing for you to do, even though you're kind of horrible. Yeah. Um, and so then I started it, you know, I started my business in January of, mm-hmm. so is that 2020 or 2019? Yeah. I don't know. And then Sounds March. Right. Okay. Yeah. Then March the pin, you know, so I had like three months of the before, the before time yeah. building starting to build a business. And now here we are. Whew. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I got fired too from Ruby. Hey. From the <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, okay. So I got more and more sick. I got a liver transplant. Right. And I had had like really rough last like month or two there. Cause I also got so sick. I was just like, all right, I, I can't even, I can't do my job anymore. Like my job is I'm really failing this is really bad. And I'm really sorry that I've like overstayed. Like I have been, I have allowed myself to stay in this job for, for too long. I need to like go on leave. Like this is, this is where we're at basically Mm. like, yeah. And so then I went on leave. That was like at the end of November Mm -hmm. and I went on leave or I got sick and was like out on PTO through like December essentially. And like was on leave through that whole time. Like I just kind of kept using PTO and calling out and I was like, and, and like, I got, you know, I started my leave from like when I had left. Yeah. So, and then I was gone yeah. <laughs> through May of 2020. So mm-hmm. I was gone from like November, 2019 to May of 2020. And, mm-hmm. uh, when I got back, I lasted until December or till September. <laughs> they had people going back into the office during COVID. No, no. They oh, all work from home. They work all home. did work from home. Okay, um, right. so like when I started, I had to like go to the office and like, go get all my things and like yeah. set up. And, and, and then in September, they fired me. Oh man. It was wild. It was kind of, I mean, they gave me three months severance and then I got unemployment. Amazing. So that was great. Um, and I started my business too. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited to hear about it. I actually like having someone to answer to like the whole, like working for myself is amazing, but it's very hard. And so like, <laughs> It's so, so hard. hard. It's so, so hard. hard. So I think I'm going to hire a virtual assistant soon. Nice. Yeah. My goal is to do that okay. by the, by like January, probably. Okay. Yeah. Okay. To just do some of the things that I like drag my feet on, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my least favorite things. Yeah. yeah. Like exactly. When you're not doing the work that you've set out to do as an entrepreneur, it's like, so much of the work is not the actual work that you're in business to do. Yeah. And it's pretty mind-blowing. Yeah. It's like, oh, actually, I'm learning a hell of a lot more about marketing than I ever thought I would, which isn't yeah. bad knowledge to have. It's just no. the opposite of nutrition. <laughs> Maybe it's not the opposite, but it's like, 
oh, so I need to learn about SEO and I need to learn about, op, you know, all these words that I kind of cringe at in the health field, like optimizing and Ugh, strategizing yeah. and planning. And I'm just like, okay, you know what? I just, yeah, this is, you know, this is not, I'm spending more time on this than I am. But right now I know that I'm like laying kind of the groundwork. So, yeah. so, so much of the beginning stages of this, even though I've been technically like technically in business for like over a year and a half. Yeah. So much of it was during like the, like the intensity of the pandemic. And I'm, I mean, yeah. of course it's still here and I'm not pretending that it's not, but like, I was not productive. I had like a handful of really consistent clients, which helped me like kind of get through, but I wasn't like in the mindset of building. I was just sure. kind of like surviving. Same, <laughs> hard mm-hmm. same. I was very yeah. like, God bless yeah. these unemployment checks. Yes. And yes. yeah, yeah. So exactly. that was definitely really great. Um, so, I mean, like speaking of this new business, like, what is it? What are you doing? Who are you? Yes. What do you do? Who am I? What do I do? Um, uh, hi, I'm Whitney. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, I'm a Sagittarius. Save your colors green. Oh my God, um, yes. <laughs> Here for all of it. Um, so, I, so I went to school with you, obviously. Yeah, fun fact for everybody. Fun we, fact. We went to college everyone. together for both of us for like a hot second. Mm-hmm, I mean, I never exactly. made it all the way through. Ditto. Uh, we went to the, you know, went to Columbia College, Chicago. I studied dance um, and, th- you know, didn't didn't graduate, didn't want to become a part of the dance community. And that maybe separate from this podcast is something I would love to talk to you about. Cause I'm like oh circling God. back to a lot of like, you know what? Cause here's a major, uh, kind of asterisk or like, let's put a pin in it is I feel like entrepreneurship brings up so much of your shit. Like, Oh, absolutely. I'm doing, I feel like I'm doing like self-work and like inner child work kind of every day Yeah. yeah. on like, you know, like a micro level. Yeah. Mm-hmm like facing my shit, you know, why am I dragging my feet? Why am I, where is my sense of self in this? Where, why Mm -hmm. am I not feeling, um, you know, why do I have a scarcity mindset around success or, you know, all of these things come up. Sure. Cause yes, I I do too. Right. Right. I think it's probably, hopefully, I think I would imagine very normal. Um, yes. So I went to college for, for dance, didn't finish and then kind of like warbled my way through my early twenties um, until I found that I was really great at teaching fitness. Um, and I taught fitness for years for like seven, I mean, years, you know, we're still pretty young. So it's like years. It wasn't decades. It was like seven years. It was Um, a a good, like part of your life. Yeah. Yeah. A really good chunk. And, um, and I taught a form of Pilates. I taught a bar class. I taught spin, um, and I was really good and I had a lot of fun. Um, it's not terribly lucrative. And if you want to, you know, if you really want to kind of, I think, quote unquote, make it, um, it, you know, you kind of have to like, I don't know, this might be not, this might not be accurate, but this is how I felt in the space is that I had to like gain a following and like kind of try and fit into that kind of like celebrity fitness, at least mindset, even if it wasn't going to be my, my reality, kind of like, you know, I'm hot shit and you want to take my class and get on the wait list kind of vibe. And that's just like, not really my style. Yeah. And 
if you, you know, and I, I knew I didn't want to create a workout and I knew I didn't want to open my own studio. So at a certain point also, I was working for people, entrepreneurs that didn't know and hadn't done the work around how to be good managers, how to like, so it's like, okay, I love, I love what I teach. I love coming in and teaching, but y'all are horrible at running a business in terms of like, there's no HR, right? These businesses are tiny. Yeah. Yeah. No HR. And even if there was an HR, like who does HR really, uh, you know, work for anyway, you said a mouthful in like three words. (laughs) I'm hopping all over. Who am I? Let's talk a bit about HR. (laughs) Yeah, no, let's do it all. Um, yeah. So I just knew that I didn't want to be in fitness. Um, and I wanted to, you know, what's weird is that people really like, I think glob on to anyone many people, I should say, glob on to um, their fitness instructors, their personal trainers, because it's so personal. Mm-hmm. It is so, um, you know, it comes off as like kind of light and superficial. Um, and people may be coming in, like, I always kind of thought of myself as like the black sheep, because people might come in because my, you know, the person that I work for, the studio that I worked for was doing like a 30 day challenge in January to quote unquote, get in shape. And I'd come in here and I'd be like, you know, they'd come into my class and I'd be like, you know, there is no shape. (laughs) You are already a shape. Right. And like, let's, you know, and what little understanding I had then I really tried to imbue, uh, into my classes, if that's even the right word, but tried to instill it into, um, the 50 minutes I had that it's, you know, movement for joy and movement for movement's sake and, um, and to get in touch with yourself. Um, but that's, you know, it wasn't yoga. It wasn't meditation. Yeah. Yeah. It was, I had so much fun. So I thought, you know, I'll, okay, I'll, I'll go into, I'd always been really interested in food and nutrition and, um, and that, and that kind of moved me into, uh, and it moved me in that direction. And I started taking, um, I began a program, began a program, um, at a local school in Portland called the Wellspring school for healing arts. They're sadly no longer um, open. Um, but they were fantastic and they did nationally accredited programs. They did one in AMA therapy and then they did one in nutrition and the program was two years long and it was fabulous looking at nutrition and food from all these different perspectives. So, um, Western kind of dietetics and, um, traditional Chinese medicine and Ayurvedic medicine and, um, naturopathic and homeopathic, um, and kind of just like picking it all, like looking at it, being curious and not saying there's one perfect way to do anything. Mm -hmm. And, and though I will say I can't say how great it was and it wasn't without, right. It's, it's nutrition being taught in 2018, 19, 20 by white people. And we're talking about traditional Chinese medicine. So there's lots there that wasn't, you know, super informed and, um, and there, and then it also taught me a lot. And I, and I took with me what I wanted to take. Um, and then, and they had so many cool guest speakers come in and, so at the very, very end of my two-year program, uh, there was one woman that came in and she was a um, eating disorder specialist dietitian. And then the next speaker after that was a motivational interviewer. And I took, 
and my mind, my world just kind of exploded. So it was like, I was kind of plodding along, absorbing all this great information about food, energy, uh, energetics, and a holistic approach to nutrition. And then all of a sudden these two speakers came in and just like kind of blew up everything we had just learned in a way. Okay. Mm-hmm. The eating disorder, disorder dietitian, the specialist had us stand in the room. And every time it was a really cool exercise, actually, we all started on one side. And then every time we aligned with something, she said, we'd move into the space a little further. Um, and it gave us a visual representation of how much of ourselves and our lives have been dedicated to like trying to change our body. And she kind of spoke about disordered eating on a spectrum, which I'd never heard of before. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so I finished my nutrition program and then I immediately jumped into learning about disordered eating and in the process learned about my own eating disorder that I didn't know about (laughs) and my own disordered history that I was kind of unaware of. And, um, and knew that if I didn't like dive into that, I wouldn't, I would like perpetuate the cycle of health. Yeah. That was such a long answer and not really a straight one for your question. No, I love it. That's what okay. it's all about. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So my, my actual business is I'm a nutritionist, but I really specialize in working with folks who have been diagnosed with disordered eating or eating disorders, or have not been diagnosed. Um, and we look at their relationship to food and body and we, when we work on it, we talk about it. Yeah. Get curious. I love that. Yeah. I think that's so great. And you call it intuitive eating. Is that right? Mm-hmm. That's just like what I gather from your Insta. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's definitely part of it. I am not an intuitive eating counselor because that is is a certification people can do. That is on my list of kind of like to-dos because I would love to be more um, fully kind of have deeper roots in that work. So I finished my nutrition program in 2018. And then October of 2019, I started a program called Body Trust which is local to Portland as well. And it's incredible. Body trust is deeply informed by intuitive eating and health at every size modalities and uh, philosophies Mm -hmm. structure. Body trust is for people in the helping profession. I've actually thought a lot about you as I've been studying it because it's like right up your alley if you haven't heard about it. Is it, is it through be nourished? I just kind of Googled it. Okay. I used to, that my current therapist sort of like my therapist worked out of their, their like building for a little while. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Cool. They're fabulous. It's, it's a a program. uh, It's a philosophy, right? It's an approach Mm -hmm. to working with our bodies and working with our understanding of health Mm -hmm. really about like being in a body just period um, that works outside of like the weight bias. It's about getting kind of back in touch with our inherent wisdom it's about uh, liberation, um, coming home to ourselves. It's essentially, this idea that we've been socialized away from ourselves. Sure. That we have a lot of innate wisdom in how to care for our bodies and how to live in a body. And the world that we live in is like takes us further and further and further away from it. I love that. Yeah, they're they're an amazing duo, um, Dana Sturdivant and Hillary Canavy. It's a dietitian and therapist duo that created it. Okay. And yeah, so that's, so that's kind of, that's also, that's primarily the framework I work within when I work with clients, I'll be finishing my certification in 2022 and that's exciting. Yeah. That's really exciting. Yeah. It's amazing. I love that. 
I love that so much. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, you, I feel like you've talked a little bit about it, but like what, what does sort of like a day in the life or like a, a, a consultation in mm-hmm. the day look like with you? Like what, what are the, like, if I were, or, you know, if the listeners were to be a client of yours, like what is, yeah, what is stuff that you do with them? Yeah. So I, right now my business is all on zoom. Mm-hmm. Um, and originally I was like, well, you know, I'll probably want to work in a clinic, but now it's like, I'm kind of Why? loving. Yeah. Yeah. I'm loving the freedom. I am loving not paying rent at a place because yeah. you know, that benefits me and the client. Cause I would have to bump my prices significantly. Anyway, it's great. So mm-hmm. right now it's all on zoom and you know, every client is so different, but essentially what we do is I learn as much as someone wants to share with me about someone's health history mm-hmm. and, um, and everybody comes with a different level of knowledge around what, you know, working outside the weight bias looks like mm-hmm. so much of our language is still tied up in diet culture. Sure. So someone will come to me and say, I want to work on my health outside of weight and they have their Apple watch on that's counting their steps and calorie tracker and they don't eat bread and, you know, but they're being healthy, but they don't want to worry about their weight, but they also don't fit into their pants. You know, it's just like, it's, it's tiny. It's not all going to happen at once. It's like tiny bricks we take out of the kind of wall of diet culture that we've been conditioned to believe in anyway. So everybody comes to me with different level of information and we just kind of dive in. So first, so I offer 20 minute free consultations where I kind of get to know you and we decide if we're going to be a good fit to work together. Love it. And then from there, first sessions are usually an hour and a half. And that's where I just like, we deep dive into the person's health history as much as they're comfortable sharing. I want to learn about because everything is so connected. Your, mm-hmm. um, oh, hi puppy. Oh, that's still Quinn. <laughs> Quinn is still around. Kicking. Quinn is kicking. I love kicking. it. Yeah. His little tail. She's going a little blind these mm-hmm. days, but other than that, she's. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Love and life. To all the listeners out there, Whitney took <laughs> me and my then boyfriend to pick up this fucking mongrel that is. <laughs> Wait, I'm having a total brain fart. What did I do? you drove Rob and I to the fucking humane society one day to like pick her ass up. I did. Yeah. You totally did. And you were going to come like, yeah, you were going to come like see her with us, but it was taking a while. And you were like, actually, I got to go. And we're like, that's fine. But yeah, you totally took us. That is so funny. I'm having like a major brain. Isn't that funny? What we remember of our history together. Like, yeah, there's so much, I, you know, that I could, our history and you'd be like, actually, I don't remember that at all. Uh Like, Clear as day. Clear yeah. as day. That's yeah. Wild. There's like a couple points, but also by the way, listeners, Whitney is like from Portland, Oregon, and I ended up just <laughs> moving here. So like super I will, random. I will not never random, not, but like yeah. I will never not be like Whitney and I are always made to be in contact. Like it's just that one thing where I'm like <laughs> we don't we're see each other often, be, but like I feel like we're always crossing paths. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Then there was the whole like. Stila situation. Oh my God. I forgot about that. I know. You're going to have to do a lot of editing. Yeah. (laughs) Of this episode. That'll be fine. (laughs) It's fun. So hour and a half is the first session and anything that people will share with me, I take because so much, you know, like a, 
so much comes out, particularly around trauma, right? Like the body trust program and be nourished taught, has taught me a lot about, it's a very social justice informed approach. And that has taught me so much about being trauma informed and so much Mm -hmm. more I need and want to learn about offering trauma informed care, but that our body holds so much and how it affects everything, right? How it affects the, the way that we feed ourselves, take care of ourselves, but also how our body is able to digest food and energy output and what rest looks like is so different for every person. And are, do you have the time and space? To, you know, it's so different. So I can't even keep track of my own storytelling, but anyway. No, it's okay. Just what a little, like, you know, what a day in the life of working oh, yeah, with Whitney looks like. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. So it's just deep dives. We deep dive. Yeah. I love and that. For some people that looks like, you know, I have one client really consistently who we meal plan and for her, she's in a really good place with food in her body. So meal planning is a pretty safe thing to do. That's not the case for everyone. So I help her plan her weeks, pick out her recipes. And we do kind of pepper in conversation. Like she's like, oh, a friend said this to me. It really didn't land. You know, what are some things I can say that might invite her into having a, you know, more open mind about body and food. And that's cool. And then also you know, it's like we talk about, so you have, you have the consistency now of eating enough of the rhythm of buying groceries and it not being triggering, you know, how do we then approach, you know, bringing movement into the fold, what feels good, what feels authentic, what doesn't feel like an obligation. And then for some people, we're just talking about the emotional relationship. We're just talking about, you know, what feelings are coming up when they're eating, what, you know, can we trace any experiences back from someone is binge eating and engaging in like a shame spiral and what, you know, what we can learn from it and, and where it comes from and how to not, you know, I think the major, what I, the more and more I do this, the more and more I learn is that going in with like a fix it approach is really just ineffective and not really the goal. The goal is to get curious. Um, and there might not be a lot, it depending on, you know, the person and what they need there, Often there isn't a lot to fix, but rather a lot to like better understand. Sure. And then with the understanding can come decision-making that feels more in line with what feels good. Mm-hmm. But also it's allowing people like the, it's bonkers, like, or it's wild how socialized we are away from pleasure Yeah. and how, and I imagine this comes up maybe in your work around like movement and intuitive movement and pleasure. And it's like, eating it is good. Eating can be pleasurable and it's okay that it's pleasurable. Eating past the point of fullness is not like the end, you know, it's been told and it's been taught to us that it's the end of the world and it's not. Mm -hmm. So just unpacking all that with people, unpacking what diet culture in this world has told us we're supposed to do around eating and caring for ourselves and what our bodies are quote unquote supposed to look like. And it's all, it's just packed in it's layers it's fun. It's deep. It's intense. It's amazing. Oh, I love that. Oh, yeah. so that's what I do. <laughs> Whitney saving the world, you one know, consultation at a time, one appointment oh. at a time, <laughs> permission, all about permission. Oh. Yeah. Hi, yeah. I'm so sorry. I'm super, super late. Um, hi, hi. <laughs> I was traveling with my partner and their kid. No worries. Oh, good. We're just hi. here. Hi. hi. I'm Whitney. Hi, I'm JT. Nice to meet you. And so, okay. 
I keep I forgetting it. she yells whenever I hit the record thing. Recording in progress. Yeah. Um, so Whitney also like mostly just cause I've, you know, I've stalked you or like seen you all over the, on the IGs, but like, do you identify as queer? I do. Okay, yeah. cool. I was like, yeah. when I was writing these questions, I was like, I don't actually know how Whitney identifies. Yeah. Like, I do. Right. I identify as queer. My sweet mother, I'm actually visiting her right now. I'm at her house and, uh, we were walking on the beach today and she's like, well, I was talking to your uncle Ricky and he was so excited and he goes, cause he's gay. And he, and she, and she says that he said, oh, Whitney's a lesbian, like pumped about it. And my mom says, well, I, then I corrected him and I said that, you know, that you're queer <laughs> and that your pronouns are she, her. That is so Thanks, cute. Mom. Thank you. So oh I, have, like, I have a similar story in the 90s. Yeah. Um, I came out to my mom as bisexual. Okay. So, you know, it was like probably 94, 95. I was just out of college, just out of mm -hmm. undergrad. And mm -hmm. uh, my mom called me at work and left mm -hmm. me this message. And she said, well, hi, I talked to your grandma and I told her you're gay. So anyway, give me a call. Bye. <laughs> and then I called her back and I was like, mom, I'm not gay. I'm bisexual. You know what that means? She's like, yeah, that's too much for grandma. <laughs> oh, <you> know, it's, <laughs> it's too much. You'd think that like grandma might yeah. see it like an op like know, an optimistic middle ground or I don't know, like, yeah. you know how the in very, I just, all I hear is sex in the city, that awful line, like isn't bisexuality just a layover at a gay town? Like, oh my God, oh, that's yeah. awful. Or that bisexuals double dip. They're just double dipping. We're greedy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. what did your grandma say when you talked to her? Oh, uh, you know, she, we never spoke of it. She was okay. like an, an old Irish Catholic lady. And like, okay. you know, she, she was in her eighties at that point. She Aww. was, just, she was just like, yeah. Yeah. I love it. Oh, My God. grandma just asked about pronouns when she was visiting like two weeks ago because like oh, the whole like getting Ferris's pronouns is very complicated for my aunts and like my grandma like I'll I'll say like they like Ferris I'll refer to them as they or them in sentences and my grandma just kind of like glosses over it mm -hmm. or you know or things like that but she like gets that Ferris goes by a different name than they like used to when we first started dating and it's just, mm -hmm. it's just so funny for my grandma to kind of like gloss over it and then sometimes be aware of it and be like let me ask a question about this and it's <laughs> it's there it's like it's 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 available the bandwidth is there the understanding it's is there. there it's picking up and putting down when it's like easier or something yeah well Huge and quotes <laughs> yeah and her memory is like not great like you'll literally say something to her and then she'll or you'll answer a question she asks and she'll ask you the same one like four more times like it's it's just yeah. like all in one ear and out the other. And she's just so old. You don't even, you know, it's like a toddler. Yeah. Just yeah. your version. <laughs> yeah. That's how it works. Yeah. But toddlers are able to ask people for their pronouns pretty easily now. That's true. They My are. My girlfriend oh, is so incredible. in the background nodding. She works at a preschool. That's so beautiful. So yeah. yeah. Oh, the kids are going to be all right. As long as we give them the world to like take on. Just don't show them that movie. <laughs> no. Yeah. No. Yeah. Well, tell um, me, Whitney, what do you do briefly? Yes. One, one second. This is fun. This is going to give me like another, this is round two. I get to, I get to do it better or different. 
yeah, you know, different. And we'll and we'll just splice together the best of all yeah. of it. <laughs> so I'm a holistic nutritionist and I'm a body trust provider in training. I will not be getting certified in that until probably October 2022, which is the very last moment. I have three years with the material. Um, and so what that means is that I work with people, you know, I can work with folks to do like kind of traditional, what you might consider traditional, like nutritionist work, like meal planning, helping with grocery shopping, um, planning and, um, understanding like how to compose a plate of your, you know, whole grains, veggies and protein and blah, 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 blah. But what I mostly work on and in is, um, through, through my education of body trust, um, is working with folks around their emotional relationship to food in their body. So I'm very um, committed to and passionate about burning down diet culture and the patriarchy. <laughs> I love it. That's yeah. Cool. Yeah. So that's, that's what I prefer. You know, that's where I most like to live. Um, but every client is different and they all need different things and it's kind of a mixed bag. It depends on who I'm working with. That is so exciting. And the reason, part of the reason I was super excited to have you on is I just got a, a like sort of pre-diabetic diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Um, my blood sugar is really high mm-hmm. and, you know, I gained probably 40 or 50 pounds during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm overweight mm-hmm. for sure. Um, you know, I, I've done a lot, you know, I, Connie and I worked together in burlesque for a long time. You know, I'm all about body positivity, body acceptance, but also mm-hmm. I don't want to make myself sick. Mm-hmm. And so like trying to balance all of those things, lose weight, you know, not adhere to diet culture, not get obsessed, not get sucked in. You know, I don't, I don't have any personal um, eating disorder history. So mm-hmm. that is not a thing for me, but like also obsessiveness about um, anything, mm-hmm. like anything I can get into and get really like nitty gritty, crazy obsessive about, I'll do it. Yeah. Uh, I'm in recovery from alcoholism. And so, you know, like anything I can dive deep into and get really crazy about, like yeah. that, is, that is my jam. Yeah. So, yeah. It's really interesting. Um, it's, well, go ahead. No, I'm just going to say it's really, it's really an interesting topic. Yeah. It's, it's incredibly, um, I need like, I need a new word for nuance because I feel like it kind of comes with like the unpacking, like we're getting like our language is starting to match. I think the depth at which we need to explore things. And I need to like pull out my dictionary, but yeah, it's nuanced. It's layered. It's multifat. It's like everything. And I think that particularly I have a couple of clients that have the pre-diabetic diagnosis as well. And that, um, and the major medical establishment is really behind in understanding that weight loss goals, telling a client to lose weight is really counterproductive to improving health. Right. Um, because it's weight might be correlated, but it's not necessarily the cause. Yeah. My, my ex lawyer girlfriend always used to say correlation is not causation. (laughs) Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So how do you take that information and, and then all of, I mean, the world of information we have around nutrition and wellness air quotes listeners is like just it's we're bombarded with it all the time it's coming from a thousand different perspectives keto paleo vegetarian vegan right this is good for you this isn't no this is good for you yeah. no, this is good. six small meals a day three meals a day no breakfast it's just like what the fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah so i like to help demystify i love that 
Amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I also come at it from the perspective of someone who's very interested in food. Obviously Mm -hmm. I started this podcast. Yeah. Um, I was training to be a chef in New York city Mm -hmm. when the pandemic shut everything down. And so, wow. Um, yeah, I was working, just working on a line in a restaurant. Um, I'm 50. I was 48 when I started doing that. And I was like, just thinking about going back to cooking school, Yeah. but I was like, do I really want to check? I should check out if I like to work in a kitchen first. So I, yeah, switched my life around, tried to work in the kitchen, hated it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And the pandemic has done such interesting things to the restaurant industry. I mean, heartbreaking and that so many have closed, but also at least in Portland, there have been some major calls to action. Yeah. And uh, what is that? What was that um, Instagram, the 86 PDX? Um, yes. 86 PDX. You, and also JT, the did you see season. that? No, I don't know what that is. I'm looking it up right now. I um, haven't been following it currently, but in the beginning of the pandemic, oh. they were just calling out restaurant after restaurant after re- like really incredible places and also not incredible places in Portland. Um, just like calling out, yeah. you know, and I think we've gotten to a place now where like, I'm interested, you know, call out culture versus call in, like, how do we bridge gaps, but how do we also hold people accountable? Mm-hmm. Um, but the, to your point about hating working in a kitchen, like, you know, that's kitchens are fucking rough. Mm-hmm. I worked yeah. in restaurants for years. i never worked yeah. on the line, but just like, I remember walking to the back, I worked at urban farmer in Portland and I remember <laughs> walking to the back to have to like run plates if the runners were busy. And I was like, oh God, don't let me have to, I don't want to talk to chef. Please don't let me talk to chef. I really want to talk to chef. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I think, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to blend my interest in food with my interest in health, with my interest in, you know, talking about food, thinking about food, mm-hmm. people around food. And mm-hmm. then yes, because mm-hmm. honey yeah. that queers are just magic. And so therefore <laughs> queer food is magic. And I so- love that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Our work is, our work is brilliant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and speaking of that, so like Whitney, do you, uh, I think I put in like two questions about like queerness mm-hmm. and like business mm-hmm. or just like working with clients. Like how does queerness for you intersect with either your work, your clients, like both? Mm-hmm. I just feel like, I feel like as a queer, it intersects everywhere and how like we see things more mm-hmm. magically and also approach problems in, I don't know, better ways than straight folks. Cause we've had to, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? So yeah, mm-hmm. I'm just curious how it informs or shifts how you work. Yeah. That's a great question. I think, you know, it's interesting. I, I think, so I'm 33. And, um, I didn't start identifying as queer until, I don't know, maybe like 28 or something. Um, and so to be completely honest, like, I don't really know what it means for me yet. I mean, I know what it means to me, Mm -hmm. but I'm not even aware of all the ways that it might have shown, been showing up. It has, you know, in the past has been showing up in my life and then what, how it shows up here, particularly, I think what, what it, um, offers me, I think one of the gifts it's given me is that through body trust work, uh, through being, through be nourished and the certification I'm doing with them, we talk so much and are learning so much about the ways in which our world, um, doesn't see people as whole, 
unless you fit a very particular mold. And I have never partic- I have never been under that um, foot. I've never been treated anything other than a thin cyst white woman. Mm-hmm. So I'm like second in line of the kind of body hierarchy as Sonia Renee Taylor calls it, who's fucking brilliant. I'm sure you yeah. heard about her anyway. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and so I think queerness, I think what actually is happening right now for me is that my work is allowing me to f- discover my queerness. Oh, yay. So right now I, I think it shows up because I deep, better understanding myself and, mm-hmm. um, that inevitably will impact the way I'm able to show up for clients. Um, and look at, you know, when I'm working with someone who, I think I just have a better, a better understanding of the assumptions we make or, or what we're, what we are taught, the assumptions we're taught to make when we only see reflected back to us, cis heteronormative white people in kind of everything. Mm-hmm. And even though I fit the bill in a lot of ways, I don't feel like, um, I fit the bill and I'm not treated any differently. I'm treated really well out in the world. Um, but I understand and I can empathize and meet people who have experienced the opposite, who have experienced um, heartbreak and oppression and being treated less than in medical offices, in being misgendered constantly in, um, in appointments with whomever, right? Anyone, anyone you're working with your body um, and your relationship to your body or how you treat it or what you need for it. Like that is so incredibly personal. Um, and even though I haven't had those exact experiences, I think I might have my finger on the pulse just a little bit better than most mm-hmm. cis straight people, you know? So, yeah. so right now I think it's gifting to me is what I, I think that. I'm getting at. And eventually, hopefully I'll be like gifting as much back. That's I love great. that. I think that's so special. Like, yeah, it is incredibly special. It's really, um, you know, if I'm asking people to lean into the possibility of living in a more liberated body, like what is, I can't ask that, that of them, if I don't have an understanding of what that would be for me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I'm just peeling those layers back. What does that, what does that look like? You know? Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. That's like so, a lot of deep sort of intense work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you have tips for someone who's like just starting to think about these topics. Like, what do I do? Like, you know, like I'm thinking about, okay, like I know I need to go on a diet. I know I need to do blah, 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 all this, blah, 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 engage with food better, you know, eat better. There's a lot of things coming at me. And so like, yeah. what, where would I start? Mm-hmm. Well, I would encourage, you know, I would encourage if you're, if you're able, if you have time, um, bandwidth resources, like all the things, right. Um, to look for, if you want to work with a dietitian or you want to work with, um, someone around this pre-diabetes diagnosis, um, to look for someone who's haze informed, which is health at every size or an anti-diet dietitian, because what, um, can what I'm speaking from, I'm speaking about this from a place of learning about it, obviously not having lived it. So please, if you can, or want to feel free to correct me if I'm coming at it wrong. 
Um, but my understanding, particularly for those who've been diagnosed with diabetes, is that the call to lose weight is pretty intense. And, but what weight loss goals often do is it creates, um, it creates disordered eating usually or, or a disordered relationship around food. And often what a diet asks of you is that you're res calorie restricting, moving more. You start to take on all of these things that are essentially unsustainable. Mm -hmm. And for blood sugar, blood sugar stabilization, which is key for all of our bodies to work as well as they possibly can is to eat consistently and to eat enough, which is often not, and I know it's more complicated for diabetics, um, but, um, but that's a really, it can be a really helpful place to start. Mm -hmm. So to look for someone to work with who isn't going to put you on a diet, but rather talk about um, things to add into your life. Like how can you add in? Cause dieting is all about restricting control, removing. So what can we look at about, um, what can you look at in terms of adding in? Like mm -hmm. something I talk to people a lot about is like adding in one fibrous vegetable that you love, right? Like how does that land? First of all, that's never like an assignment or homework, but how does it land? Does that sound doable? Does that sound interesting? How would you want to cook it? How do you want to eat it with? Um, and start with like little pieces like that. Cause you're essentially learning to juggle this new thing. And if you try and juggle with like 9,000 balls, like exercise, drink more water, eat less, go to, you know, don't eat at past seven, all these things that are being thrown at you in a diet. It's like, it's how overwhelming. So if you do it like one little step at a time, that makes more sense. One step at a time and stepping away from the weight loss piece, if you can, or putting it on the back burner or setting it somewhere else for just a minute, because weight loss does not equal health, better health. Right. Yeah. But it's so bound right in our world. It's so bound up together. And especially I know in, um, diabetic diabetes care, it's so bound up and I'm, yeah, it's, it's rough. So if there's someone that you can work with who, who isn't going to focus on weight loss as much, but rather other health markers like blood sugars, <laughs> which are the things that that's the thing that really matters. <laughs> right. Totally. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I was that helpful? Yeah, totally. Okay. I can kind of get like, really I mean, I'm like chatty. No, I mean, I'm super nuanced about my diet mm -hmm. um, because I have a gluten intolerance. I have mm -hmm. a, a dairy intolerance. I've mm -hmm. discovered all of these things from like things my body was doing that weren't good. Like having terrible, horrible gas that stunk really bad. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like mm -hmm. I was like, why do I always have gas? This is disgusting. Like, mm -hmm. you know, so then I explored, you know, the different allergens and like figured out what I can eat and what I can eat. And like, I have a very nuanced co concept of that. And I generally eat pretty healthy, but like mm -hmm. definitely the adding in concept is better than the, I must eat 1500 calories and I yeah. must obsessively track them and you know yeah 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 and I'm this might be um news or it might not be news but like 1200 13 14 15 like that is far less than a grown human being needs to eat 1200 calories is what a toddler eats yeah I know and I, I always go to 18 or 19 because I'm a beautiful boy. so like you know I go to 18 and I increase my increase my activity I find mm -hmm. that tracking is helpful for me to know about portions because mm -hmm. I lose track of that. Yeah. Yeah. And when we've been, when 
when we've been socialized in a world that, and I was talking to Honey about this earlier, um, our world takes us further and further and further away from our bodies. Mm-hmm. So in the body trust work, we talk about like ways to kind of get back to your body. And so the tools that you have now, you know, are what work well for you. And then just as you're adding things in, um, adding in certain foods, vegetables, whatever that, um, nutritionally dense things, what, what other practices might be able to fall to the wayside as you start to get more and more back to you. Mm -hmm. Um, because ideally I shouldn't say ideally, because it would be lovely if we lived in a world that said that there weren't perfect portions and there weren't perfect, Mm -hmm. um, ways to feed ourselves. And that instead it could be just like you said, nuanced. It's you, it's you as an individual, you are so unique. There's not going to be any one way to eat. That's going to fit all of us. And how, how can we support and, uh, support and encourage people to just get to know what feels best to get back to themselves outside of all the noise that we're in. Yeah. I've done a lot of diets over the years. There's so many to choose from. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I did full 30. Mm -hmm. I've gone paleo. I did, um, Weight Watchers was the only thing that actually really worked. Mm. (laughs) Um, -hmm. wow. Um, yeah, just a whole bunch. I think I might've tried the, the cleanse, the lemon cayenne cleanse when I was in college. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. It's the only bad thing Beyonce's ever done for us. And I'm not oh, I know. one who's super always concerned about what I look like or my weight. Like mm-hmm. I've barely yeah. ever put a scale, but I've still done all these things. Like, right. Right. Yeah. Isn't that yeah. wild? Like the ways in which we've participated, um, even when we don't fully, um, align with yeah. the, Oh, I tried veganism once and then, <laughs> yeah. like a half a day. And then I was mm-hmm. like, yeah. and no. Yeah. <laughs> Not going to work for me. Yeah. yeah. I've found it so hard to like navigate things being like a transplant recipient, like, mm-hmm. it's, you know, cause you you're on medications that require you to restrict certain things and like, oh, interesting. Yeah. And so for some people it may not be a big deal, but like, I can never have sushi again. Just like, can't oh, do it. Wow. Because um, of the mark, like uh, because food, of fish and foodborne foodborne illness is really the mm. the worry. So like no raw or unpasteurized like mm-hmm. um, meats, cheeses, like dairy mm-hmm. kind of stuff like that. So like like raw veggies are obviously fine, but like I should also be careful about those. Like I I need to clean all my so like my rituals around food have become a lot more intensive. And for someone with like prior eating disorders that were really bad, like it's, it's hard. Mm-hmm. Um, especially mine were more about like binging and purging, mm-hmm. um, and restricting a lot, but like, it, it's really hard to navigate it. And so like, I was like talking with, uh, actually mine and Ferris's couples therapist today mm-hmm. <laughs> about like, um, I had it meeting with my doctor and I was like, oh, I'm off prednisone. So I don't have to avoid grapefruit or like citrus anymore. Right. And she was like, oh no, you still have to not eat it. Like your tacrolimus. Like, so there's a medication I'll be on forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and that one is also 
sensitive or reactive with like wow. fruits, certain yeah. citruses and things like that. And I love those. Yeah. So, yeah. So yeah. So yeah, that's intense. Yeah. So, you know, don't be surprised yeah. when I hit you up someday, Whitney. <laughs> It'll be one of these days, I'm sure. I'm here yeah. for it. I am here for it. Yeah. It's just so hard, you know, to like try and exist outside of all of that. And then there are moments like, you know, like JT, you are gluten intolerant. So it's like, what does that look like to find a healthy balance, you know, Mm -hmm. with that? Mm -hmm. Um, And like, you know, for another thing, like pre and even post transplant was protein and getting all this protein in. And every time you have to try and do it, it's everything that is like diet focused. Like you literally cannot find a protein drink powder, anything that doesn't fucking have the word like diet, beauty, weight yeah. loss in it. Like, Anti-aging. It's all intertwined. Yeah. Or like the, muscle or muscle building. The muscle milk. Yeah. Like yeah. the, the collagen protein that we get. I really love the vital proteins. This is not an ad at all, but that one is like, <laughs> that one is literally labeled beauty collagen and like beauty protein. But if Thanks they to Kourtney Kardashian, to, if they wanted to pay for this podcast, they could. <laughs> yes. Also, yes, I will fully advertise for you. I will take your yes. money. If this gets into the right hands on the right ears. Yeah. And the, just know that we may talk shit about you, but we will also talk <laughs> your shit. Yeah. I'll take It'll be all over with you. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, like it, it's just, I, I, I love the work that you're doing. I think it's so, um, special and yes, to overuse the word today, nuanced, it's like the mm-hmm. word of the day, but I feel like it's so important and it's something that is kind of, you know, just becoming a thing, like, mm-hmm. um, really thinking about how we even grocery shop and meal plan as like mm-hmm. really critical to being part of our whole health, mm-hmm. um, approach to our bodies. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, in, in body trust work, there's a question, um, Oh, from the tip of my tongue. Oh, not a question. Plan. It's a prompt. Um, plan to be a competent eater, mm. which just blew my fucking mind. Yeah. Because, you know, meal planning has this bad rap of like, you know, we're going to steam our broccoli and make our rice and do chicken breast. And you're going to have 10 of those in your fridge. And that's, you know, you see it kind of like from a fitness perspective. Mm -hmm. Um, but planning to be a competent eater is actually, uh, a really beautiful, you know, it takes, it definitely takes work. And I've found for myself and for clients, it takes work and it takes a lot of of self-compassion and patience and understanding of why you might not allow, be allowing yourself to be a competent eater, like stocking your home with what you like and enjoy eating and enough of it. Um, And yeah, that just really blew my mind to be a competent eater, to have what you need. If you're able to have what you need in your home to eat enough, most of the time, Mm -hmm. it's like pretty, it's pretty wild. And also competent, meaning like, you know, don't shoot for the stars. If you don't have the time, like don't make like a, you know, tomato confit spaghetti. If you don't have time, like buy the mac and cheese, everything will be fine. Right. Like how eating food, eating enough and eating food is far more important than eating quote unquote perfectly. Yeah. 
Is that blood sugar stabilization? I love that. Um, okay. So we have 10 minutes left in this meeting because we're more than two of us. We're going to do our quick, uh, glitter in the air and one for the jars. So Whitney, we have a glitter in the air, which is what is your like top fun, fancy happening for the week. So what are you like really excited about? Asked about. Yeah. And like coming in next week, like what's happening next week. No, just like anything that's got you excited or jazzed. Okay. Okay. Um, and then your one for the jar is basically your fuck you to something. Okay. So, um, JT, do you want to go first? Yeah. Give me an uh, example. The one for the jar is always hard for me. Oh um, I, I am love one for the middle jar. of, I'm in the middle of moving. I'm in the middle of, uh, I just got oh. back from like a whirlwind thing. Um, a whirlwind trip to Quincy, Illinois for my, for my partner's niece's wedding. Like, yeah, I, I'm not paying attention to world events to be mm-hmm. really, and, um, yeah, I'm terrified about climate change. That's, mm-hmm. that's new. Um, and yeah, and I'm just trying to, uh, ride the wave of, of my girlfriend's divorce from her ex-husband. So there you go. <laughs> There you go. That way too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, my, I have one for the jar that I am ready for. And it is people who don't know how to fucking apologize or listen when you are telling them like, Hey, this was something you did that I don't like. And like, can mm. we talk about it? And all they want to focus on is like this whole situation and how, like, once you got defensive about something, you fucked it all up. Um, so, you know, people who can't take accountability for um, their actions are really my one for the jar and they can all suck it as far as I'm concerned. Accountability. Yeah. And uh, yeah, really hard and for people. <laughs> it is. It's very hard for people. And um, my glitter in the air is um, for my new, um, I just bought a Bethany Yellowtail, a like native designer. She dropped a new collection on Friday and I bought a skirt and I'm really excited. Ooh, that is exciting. (laughs) My glitter in the air was going to a a wedding in an evangelical church and not, not feeling pissed off the whole time. Oh, that's really that's exciting. Great. Like having an experience of it being very beautiful and sweet and like oh. uh, affirming of the people who were involved. Oh, that's lovely. That's beautiful oh, glitter. Love that. Wow. Into it. Yeah. Whitney? Whitney, what you got? Let's see. Glitter in the air. Um, I'm just genuinely pretty excited about what I'm, I'm learning a lot. I'm doing a lot and learning a lot about like marketing and getting some really big balls rolling, (laughs) big balls, big balls rolling, um, in like getting my business really kind of up and running. Um, I was telling honey earlier that I've been technically doing this for like a year and a half, but I really haven't like sunk my teeth in and like, you know, really committed to it. Also, you know, fear of failure, if I don't fully commit, then I can't fully fail, but I'm fully committing. (laughs) And I am like, you know, I've been doing a lot of things. So it's really exciting. So glitter in the air is just continuing on that train. I started a newsletter. I'm really pumped about I'm on IG consistently and I have a healthy relationship with it for the first time. So that's fucking great. And, um, yeah, I'm like streamlining my process with clients. I have like a whole thing where I do like, there's like a live journal between me and each client. So it's like a live toolbox essentially. So kind of streamlining that. that. 
yeah, I probably should have mentioned that, but yeah, kind of streamlining that whole part. Yeah. Um, so glitter in the air. And then also more glitter is that I've been, I'm lucky enough that my mom lives on the coast, Oregon coast. So I beat the terrifying climate change heat and so jealous. I'm at the coast. I've been here since Wednesday. I've been walking on the beach twice a day Ugh. and that's it's amazing. fucking dreamy and my puppies. Aww. Oh my God. Is that little Duncan? That's Duncan. Oh my gosh. Who I've never met, but I've known from afar for years. <gasps> He's 12 and a half. Yeah. And the, and the little butterscotch one is Rue. She's a year and a half old. She's our, uh-huh. our little poopy puppy. Um, so that's all my glitter. I have lots of glitter. I'm feeling very fortunate. And um, one for the jar, this video about the history of psychedelic mushrooms. And it was all the video. I have to send it to you. The video Great. was all white men. Of course. It was. And there was just brief mention of Plato visiting North Africa. Just like a quick little like, oh, he bopped over and then he got this potion. We don't know how. And then likened all of like psychedelic mushrooms brought to the ancient Greeks, all math, all sciences, all poetry, all music, all art. And it's all white men. The whole history that this, the whole video is white men. Anyway, that's my one for the jar. I love it. (laughs) This has been so great. Thank you so much. Whitney, I love you so much. Talk soon. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Bye. Bye. This has been an episode of Les Eat, produced by Honey LaFleur and JT Newman. You can find us on Instagram at Les Eat Pod. Our theme was written and played by Elisa Plucky Rosenthal. You can find more of her music at elisarosenthal.com. Thanks for listening and tune in again. Les Eat!